Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. It's Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN. One hour down, one hour to go. And we are joined in studio with Charlie Speck from the Buffalo News. Charlie, welcome in. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a, you know, crazy political season and kicking off a presidential elect- uh, election season with what we've got going on locally. Uh, I think we're in for a heck of a ride. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting year on the local and national levels here. A lot uh, a lot of fireworks expected, and I think in our region they've already sort of begun. Oh, yeah. Now let's uh, backtrack to 2023. Uh, Mark Polenkar is reelected, uh, 58% to 40%, you know, not a close election at all. Um, and you wrote an interesting article uh, about the Drama Express back in, uh, back in motion after a tweet on X – Maybe it's an X on X. I don't know. Uh, A tweet on what used to be called Twitter um, about if you uh, need 911, if you don't like government, government, next time you need 911, uh, don't call them to save your patriot butts. Something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. Um, and, And this is nothing new from the county executive. Yeah, so it was interesting because this came after he announced that he was not running for the 26th Congressional District. Um, not running to get that nomination, probably wouldn't have tweeted that if he were running to get that nomination. Um, But he essentially was reacting to people who are criticizing um, uh, the county's uh, plan when it comes to first responders and um, essential personnel, and apparently he got some criticism from that. Uh, People, you know, who I know in politics say that he really sort of ever since COVID has reveled in um, tangling with what they call the, the patriot crowd, you know, who, um, you know, who really opposed a lot of the, the COVID orders. Uh, but this tweet was kind of unprovoked. And uh, Ian Democrats, a lot of Democrats reached out to me and said, gee, this is not look very good. What, you know, what, what is he doing here? You know, and um, you had the county Republican chairman and, and others, you know, say, look, this is this is a county executive where his administration is literally in charge of the E nine one one system. This looks bad. This is not just, you know, politics and uh it sort of backfired on him, but there's really nothing that could be done as he was just elected for a fourth term. Now, as you say, this I mean this is nothing new, right? We've come to kind of expect this. From, you know, who you talk to, what you know do you think that would have hurt him if he did try to go for the 26th congressional seat? You know, he won by 18 percentage points, so part of me thinks probably not. 
I think that for you know for whatever reason he really invokes this passion or or hatred or something from you know his his right wing opponents. Those are people that are probably not voting for him anyway. Probably would have voted uh, for Chrissy Casilio. I, but I do think you know it, it would have given her more fuel to her fire as far as saying, look, she was trying to portray Polenkars as a bully and as arrogant and out of touch. And certainly that feeds right into that. Uh, you know, even though he did win by 18 percentage points last summer, he was really engaged in a campaign of almost self-sabotage here. We had um, situations come up where he was accused of domestic violence. He denied that where he was um, there was a scandal with uh, a woman that he's dating, a nonprofit that she runs getting grants. And it seemed like all the momentum was shifting, especially with the migrant crisis, to Chrissy Casilio. Uh, and he really sort of got himself under control, you know, locked it in, his fundraising, started spending some of that war chest down and cruised to a pretty easy victory. I think if he would have had a stronger opponent, uh, this could have, and he had said that during the campaign, sure, this could have been, you know, this could have been real uh, political uh, fuel for for his opponents. Now, the last thing I'm going to ask about that article is your experience with Mark Polonkar is uh, when you went to go meet him in the office and he was upset about you being five minutes late. Yeah. So uh, as I wrote in the article, you know, I, I've sort of seen this this side of the I'd heard for years of that you know kind of executive has a temper. Um, when I was doing investigative reporting, obviously there's a uh, you know, a motivation for politicians not to get on my bad side. So they, I've never had any personal issues uh, with him. And, you know, we showed up there, we were late, and, uh, you know, I take responsibility. We were a few minutes late. And, um, you know, he just sort of blew up at me and, and just said, you know, I told you to be here at this time, and I'm busy, and I've got this call. And, um, you know, he, he said something I, I've I've actually got a county to run here, like my opponent. And, um, you know, I just ignore that kind of stuff because, to be honest, in the media, we often have to fight Democratic and Republican politicians. And you don't take it personally and realize that, you know, especially during a campaign, you know, it can get crazy. I, I like to try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, and I, I, you know, people ask me, why didn't you just say that during the campaign? I didn't really want to make it about me. Um, and I, and to his credit, he composed himself, came back out. We did the interview. We shook hands. Everything was fine. Um, so I thought, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just save that little anecdote here. Maybe it will become relevant in the future. And then sure enough, you have this, this thing on social media and it shows that sort of, um, that sort of side of him that, you know, people often talk about. Uh, but you, you know, that side is one side. The other side is when we did the interview, you know, he talked for 20 minutes without any notes about the ins and outs of government. And I think that's why his supporters give him a break maybe on that kind of, that kind of personal stuff. Um, and they realize he was during COVID really that person, that target out there that people, that people sort of fixated on, especially Republicans, as being a symbol of, you know, some sort of over-aggressive government. But he said during his, during his acceptance speech that that 
group of people is really small but very loud minority. And the majority of county residents, you know, really support what he's doing. And I think it that proved to be true at the ballot box. Now, moving on to the special election that's coming up on Thursday, the Erie County Democrats made their selection of Tim Kennedy. No surprise here, right? Uh, Nate McMurray and Gene Vinyl were also uh, considered. Yeah, it was no surprise, but it was an interesting look inside the process. So reporters are not usually allowed inside the uh, the room when the candidates are giving their pitch to the committee. What happens is uh, basically usually, you know, they go into their offices, each candidate gives their pitch, they have their internal, you know, debate. Uh, people are, committee members are allowed to ask questions and they come out and once they've chosen, kind of present their candidate to the media for interviews. This time we actually were allowed inside the room, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, I think part of that was strategic. In the past, there has been really, to quote Taylor Swift, some really bad blood between um, McMurray and between Jeremy Zellner and the rest of the committee. If you remember when McMurray was going for county executive, very short-lived county executive, uh, talking about primarying uh, Mark Polenkars, he went before the committee, he recorded them, then he uh, sliced up this video sort of mocking Jeremy Zellner and, you know, his people, and that just really turned off a lot of people. I think they wanted to have the media in the room maybe to keep both sides on their best behavior and so that it didn't get ugly. Um, but it was an interesting look into the process, but you, you could sort of tell that, you know, they weren't openly hostile to Nate, but he knew that he was, he knew that he wasn't going to get it. You know, just Tim Kennedy, when he walked in, got a round of applause where the other candidates just were, you know, it was silence. So it was more of a coronation than a contest. And there was really no surprise with the result. However, McMurray, after it was all said and done, said that he plans on challenging uh, Kennedy definitely for the definitely going to primary him for the uh, Democratic primary for the general election but he also may try to get I think he's got to get something like 7,000 signatures for the uh, special election and and could try to primary it wouldn't be a technically a primary he'd be an independent candidate to get his name on the ballot uh, in April, too, so it'll be interesting. What is this push with Nate McMurray? He seems to keep popping up at these elections. Congress, this will be a, his third time. He uh, popped up, as you said, the county executive, where he did an interview here on Hardline. The very next day, he uh, stepped down from the uh, the election. What's pushing him to keep running? So I think it's a combination of timing, right? Politics is always about timing, and then the the, the nominee. I got a sense from him that if someone, even though he's not a Poland Cars fan, that if someone like Poland Cars had gotten the um, nomination, that he probably would have just stayed out of it. But the fact that it was Kennedy, who in McMurray's eyes is not sufficiently liberal, is not sufficiently democratic. He's had uh, some moderate tendencies in the past. He's made alliances with, uh, you know, other uh, political operatives, Steve Pigeon and those kind of people in the past. Now, Kennedy would say that's years ago. That is stuff in the past. He's 100% mainstream, you know, um, uh, county Democratic Party now. And that was, you know, shown last night. He's giving Jeremy Zellner a big bear hug and the committee seems to love him. But I also think there's a real national uh, element to this. And McMurray really is running as an 
as I want to be an anti-Trump candidate. I want to be, you know, someone who is ahead of this, what's expected to be a tumultuous year in democracy, depending on the results of the presidential election. He said something to me, you know, if there is another insurrection, people are going to want Nate McMurray in the room. But there's an element of he sort of thrives on being hated in some ways. It almost it, it fuels him. You know, he gets very animated and almost inspired at the idea that he's taking on some sort of machine. He posted a video on Twitter, if you go look at it this morning, that gives kind of a preview of what his campaign is going to be. It's him walking walking his dog somewhere on Grand Island and just sort of portraying himself using very savvy social media skills as this me-against-the-world candidate. And I think he loves sort of being that outsider, that underdog that's, um, you know, and he likes having, frankly, a villain. When, when he was running against Chris Collins, he was taking on Chris Collins. When he was running against, uh, now he wants Trump to be the villain. And in, in some ways, you know, the, the process of how the Democrats choose their uh, candidate. And I think that's kind of what gets him up in the morning. It's it's what gets him going. And I think he just couldn't resist. Now, Tim Kennedy, as we said, got the nomination. Tim Kennedy, what was his, you know, rise in politics? We know he's a state senator now um, looking to become a congressman. What has been his the last, you know, 27 years uh, or so of Tim Kennedy? Yeah, so Tim Kennedy started in Brian Higgins' camp, and he's gone back and forth, you know, uh, depending on, you know, politics, convenience of, of what suits him with going from, you know, Kennedy, uh, I'm sorry, Higgins' camp to, you know, Byron Brown's camp, back to Higgins' camp, and the different alliances. But he started on the county ledge. Uh, that's where, you know, there's still a little bit of bad blood when he was um, working, uh, caucusing with Republicans. That was over a decade ago, though, he would say, and he's since he's gone to Albany, he's very much uh, stepped into into line as far as the mainstream Democratic priorities. So last night he was appearing before the committee and talking about, you know, abortion access and talking about workers, expanded workers protections and, you know, health care, things like that, that are that are really kind of Democratic talking points. Um he is trying to sell a narrative of, hey, I've been in Albany for 10 years. Last night he said, you know, when I came in 2013, my mantra was change Albany. We've changed it. Buffalo's got all this power now. We've got a governor from Buffalo, done things like the Buffalo Billion. Um, you know, the renaissance, as, as you know, many people call it, of the Western New York region has happened during that time. And he seems to be wanting to sort of uh, you know, make his candidacy about that, about that narrative. Uh, there, if, if there's any, you know, criticism, I would say that people for a long time thought he wanted to be mayor, and now he's jumping to Congress. Um, that's something that political pros will tell you it doesn't look great, but it's something that voters typically don't hold against Um candidates because, you know, basically people expect politicians to act like politicians. You know, they're they're there trying to get, um, you know, the, the next opportunity. Uh, Kennedy is a, is a prolific fundraiser. He's one of Albany's biggest fundraisers, and that has led to some criticism about, you know, how can you be independent if you're taking money from all of these special interests? It's something that the National Democrats, I'm sure, would love to have a prolific fundraiser. Maybe if they had had 
a better fundraiser in that seat, uh, they wouldn't have lost the House of Representatives uh, the last time around. So he is very much saying, look, we changed Albany. We need to go and change Washington. And at the end of the day, call from mom, answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey, Brian Higgins really brought home the bacon for, for Western New York, and he wants to essentially keep that going, to step right into his footsteps and represent this area very much like Higgins did. All right, we've got a whole other segment left with Charlie Speck after this uh, break here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome back. It's Hardline here on News Radio 930 WBEN final segment, and we are joined in studio with Charlie Speck from the Buffalo News. Now, Tim Kennedy from South Buffalo, and uh, you wrote a piece in the Buffalo News uh, about the rise in power of politicians from South Buffalo. That list goes on and on. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, Full disclosure, I was born in South Buffalo myself here um, and lived there for a while. But I, you know, it's funny how many politicians are from South Buffalo um, maybe it's, you know, something to do with the fact that politics is essentially, you know, talking with people. And um, many uh, of, of the politicians from South Buffalo have a bartending experience in their past, like Chris Scanlon. And um, it's it's the epicenter of politics on, on St. Patrick's Day when they have the annual civic lunch in there. And it's just interesting to me because, you know, the Democratic committee likes to sort of keep a geographical balance also you know they don't want all the seats to be held by one part of town because then everyone else gets jealous right so you have chris scanlon stepping into the common council presidency which is um you know not not super powerful position uh but it it become more relevant because these questions about whether byron brown is gonna is gonna stay there or or whether he's gonna go somewhere else um you've got the da's office a uh, huge south buffalo slash Orchard Park family, the, the Canes. You've got Mike Kane gaining the Democratic endorsement there. And then um, and then you've got uh, Kennedy, you know, stepping in and trying to, you know, succeed uh, Higgins. Now, it's, it's interesting to me because it seemed like if you read um, from what I've heard from my sources, and then if you also read Jeff Kelly at Investigative Post, he did a very uh, thorough article on how it seemed like the West Side Democrats were going to the council presidency was theirs to lose. Mitch Nowakowski was making a strong bid for that. Then there was uh, a bid by David Rivera, majority leader of the council, to become president. Um, I have heard that Senator Sean Ryan had some involvement in that, although he 
vehemently denies that, but essentially, as a source said to me, the West Side Democrats sort of, um, you know, hurt themselves here. They had this seemingly all wrapped up, and the coalition fell apart. It fell into Chris Scanlon's lap, and he was happy to make whatever allegiances he needed to make to get the votes. And now, um, you know, he has the council presidency. Did Nowakowski's support or the likelihood fall because of his now interest to go to state Senate? So it's hard to tell. And uh, and I, I like Mitch, He's but he's been somewhat evasive about this as well, about whether whether the um, w- what happened first, you know, whether he didn't get the, the presidency, the coalition fell apart and then he decides, oh, I'm going to I'm going to jump to state Senate or whether. You know, I, I did hear from a source who said, yeah, that kind of turns people off when you're saying, yeah, I, I want the presidency, but I might go for this other thing, too. Um, you know, it's kind of like pick one. So I, I think that um, the presidency, the council presidency was seen as a path to the mayor's office because if Byron Brown had left, either become president above state or to run for Congress – that the the council president by city charter then becomes the acting mayor. So it would have given Nowakowski or whoever was in that seat a huge leg up to run for mayor someday. Uh, Mitch Nowakowski has you know said he would love to be mayor someday, but and I think he still does uh, because he you know one of the first things he told me when he said he's running for that uh, senate seat was um, that. He pointed out that, let's see, the three previous mayors of Buffalo, so Brown, Massiello, and Griffin, all were state senators immediately before they became mayor. So um, he was making that connection, and I would not count him out from, you know, being on the running along with Sean Ryan, others potentially uh, as future mayoral candidates someday. So those are the three, right? Um, Sean Ryan, Chris Scanlon, and Mitch Nowakowski? Tim Kennedy going to Congress probably takes him out of... Coming back to be mayor? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see the benefit of why he would he would want to do that. I mean, right. the, the the Higgins seat for a Democrat is basically your congressman for life. It's almost impossible to lose. Nate McMurray said last night you, you could put a, a tomato can up there, and the tomato can would probably get voted in as long as it was on the Democratic uh, line. I don't know whether Scanlon has, um, you know, mayoral ambitions. He. He was never seen as an overly ambitious politician in the sense that he was using, you know, his council seat because he definitely wants to be mayor someday. Um, but maybe he grows into it. Maybe he, he likes, you know, being able to branch out a little bit from South Buffalo and and show more of, you know, kind of citywide leadership. You saw him doing that with the fluoride situation, taking more of an aggressive stance and, and pushing for, for answers on that. And I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, you know, how, how he operates over the next couple of years. And, uh, but being, being council president, you know, surely puts him in a better position than it would if he were just the uh, South District Council member. Byron Brown, you know, we've heard Buff State, we've heard run for Congress. What's it looking like now? Is he going to run for another term? Is he going to step down? What, what does the, the future of the mayoral office look like in Buffalo? You know, he uh, he has this these mantras um, when he was running for a fifth term or when he was running for um, uh, a fifth term, he was saying strive for five. And now and now now he's telling people in City Hall six is in the mix, potentially. You know, I think he I think Brown, honestly, 
is, you know, he's a very judicious politician, but I do think a, a certain part of him <laughs> likes having his name mentioned as these other as these other seats. And, and it always has been that case. If you remember, before Kathy Hochul was even in the picture, Brown was often mentioned as a candidate for um, lieutenant governor. And, of course, if that had happened, you know, he, he'd be governor right now. Um, you know, there, there was a Buff State thing that, that he was taking classes uh, for that, and I was told that he just, you know, just wasn't qualified, didn't meet the minim- minimum qualifications. You often want master's degrees and that sort of thing. Uh, for these, and, and the Buff State job is a big job. It's, it's not a, an easy patronage position, you know, at the Water Authority. This is be a university president, um, which is much harder than it used to be. And you know, he really hemmed and hawed about the congressional seat. His people tell me that he was really, you know, weighing it over with family. And you know, it seemed like he's sort of his career is, you know, coming to somewhat of an end here. And going to Congress really ramps that up. So is, is that the best thing for him? Family-wise, there is some speculation that maybe he was boxing out other candidates on behalf of Kennedy. Um, I, I don't know whether that's whether that's true. And mentioning, mentioning Jeff Kelly again, he just floated a uh, thing this week saying that, well, maybe Brown will become president of Western Region Off-Track Betting, which is a very controversial uh, organization. There's a ton of patronage from Niagara County a Republican machine in there that Kennedy actually uh, is is trying to dismantle along with Kevin Hardwick, county comptroller, um, and really coming in hard from an over, oversight point of view. But uh, maybe it is something like that, or maybe he, you know, just retires. That's always an option too. Yeah. You know, you can just retire. You don't have to necessarily have a, a, a soft landing spot. Uh, but, you know, politicians, uh, they like to be in the news and they, they always like to be sort of looking at the next next step. And um, but I would say for now, it seems like the mayor's not going anywhere. Now, we've talked a lot about the Democrats and their selection. As of right now, no one on the Republican side for the special election. Yeah. So I haven't heard really anyone, to be honest. And um, th- th- there's been a few names uh, put out there. Uh, you know, not by Michael Crocker, but just by people in in the party saying, oh, possibly could you, could you have someone like Angela Morinello, the assemblyman from Niagara County, um, because it is not just an Erie County seat, but it's weighted pretty heavily. I think it's like 85, 15 Erie County to Niagara County as far as the um, the population there. So um, it, it would be tough. It would be heavy lift. I mean, this is this is not... And who do you who do you go to if you're if you're the Republicans? Like they don't have a very deep bench. I think if they had a very deep bench, you wouldn't have had someone like Chrissy Casilio running. You'd have a more experienced candidate. Think about who's who's on that bench. Chris Jacobs. Well, I mean, he, someone like him could maybe win, but he just left Congress, you know. And I doubt he's he's willing to go back uh, this quickly. And it's such an overwhelmingly Democratic uh, seat. It was redistricted to include Niagara Falls. A couple of years ago, make, making it even more democratic, that it would be so difficult uh, for a Republican to win. And, and the Rockefeller Republican, you know, the more moderate Republican, does that even exist anymore? You know, it's, it's hard to find someone who would have that sort of crossover appeal. You would think if they could flip the seat, though, it would be the special, right? Not the general in November. If they wanted a, a, a five month or so seat. Yeah, it, it, you you think that they'd want to they'd want to go after it. 
you know, at least put someone up. I mean, it sort of looks bad if you don't if you don't put anyone up. It's one of the major um, criticisms of the Republicans, right? Running no one again for mayor, uh, no one in certain seats. Right. Or but you know, and, and but part of the reason for putting someone up, right, is to sort of just take some free shots at the Democratic nominee. When you've got Kennedy there, you've already got someone taking free shots at him. <laughs> you've got Nate McMurray throwing bombs, you know. And um, I, I know that when McMurray was was you know running for county executive. You know, the Republicans were just happy to sit back and say, yeah, let's uh, let's just let Nate McMurray, you know, try to throw wrenches into the Democratic operation. We don't need to be a part of that. Uh, so it'll be interesting uh, to see what they do. But Kennedy's actually going to have to win three elections here to, to really take that seat firmly. So he's going to have to he's going to have to win the special election, which is uh, likely to take place in April. And then there's only a couple months, you know, remaining on on Higgins' term, so the general election would be in November, and then the Democratic primary for that would be in June. So he's, you know, people sitting around watching TV, you're going to be bombarded this year with with political ads uh, for three different races. It's going to be. Uh, it's not like we haven't lived it before. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I have not heard this, so this is just me pulling an idea. But you know, you talk about how. Uh, Democratic NY26 is. And, I mean, there's not much of a chance that gets really changed in a redistricting, right? This upcoming redistricting, they wouldn't touch 26 much, right? Right, yeah, that's probably not uh, some somewhere, you know, if there's going to be a change in the, in the redistricting, I think what it's going to be, especially if it ends up, if the Independent Redistricting Commission ends up not being able to come to an agreement again, it would, it would default back to the state legislature, which we know is con- totally controlled by Democrats, you would think that they, if anything, they would want to uh, rewrite some of those districts downstate, New York City suburbs, the areas like where George Santos won and others, and try to take back some of those Republican seats, uh, you know, to to help with efforts to you know, take back the House. Kennedy last night mentioned in his speech, you know, this is, we're going to have the first uh, black uh, Speaker of the House, Hakeem Jeffries. I mean, that's what really what they're, what they're looking at. If I had to, you know, who knows how it's going to shake out. But if I had to guess, I would say they're going to be going for those seats because the 26th seat is already, it's already Democratic. There's no need to tinker with that from, from their point of view, from Democrats' point of view. Um, so it will be interesting to see how they how they do that. Nick Langworthy, though, I will note interestingly, is has not moved into his district yet, and he lives in Niagara County. He's not moved into his district, which is the old Tom Reed district in the Southern Tier. And for the reason he's saying is, you know, look, I'm not going to move, and then they're going to redistrict. They might try to just, you know, mess with me and and draw my district outside of where wherever he you know lived in the Southern Tier and one of those counties uh so he's saying i'm gonna wait until the lines are final and then and then move into the district most people don't realize it but you actually technically don't have to live in the district you represent even after you're elected um most politicians you know it would be like political suicide if you didn't do that so they, they eventually do it but that's that's where he stands right now final question i should have asked this before the one i just asked but do you see a situation again looking at how blue ny26 is where the Republicans could do what they did at the Erie County Clerk Office and run a moderate Democrat on the Republican line. Hmm, that's interesting. Um, I mean, you mentioned the clerks. Could you? There's not many Mickey Kearns-like characters out there. I mean, could you actually 
would they try it with someone like Mickey? You know, I think when, when Mickey ran for the clerk's office, it was a different, uh, his political stock was much higher. I mean, it, it's really been, uh, his career is now, it would seem, moving in the wrong direction. He's going from a, a countywide office to now talking about going back to his assembly seat uh, that he used to represent. Of course, the, the pay is much higher now than, than it used to be back then. That's an attraction to that job. Uh, but there's been scandals that have been uncovered by the county controller uh, with um, with the uh, steal, like literal stealing of money uh, is being alleged, you know, at, at the clerk's office. He still hasn't even released the name, refuses to release the name of the person who is doing the stealing, um, alleged theft. And uh, that person also, you know, hasn't been arrested or anything by, by the sheriff. So... You'd imagine that if he were to be put up as the candidate, Democrats would have a lot to work with in that regard. And Mickey Kearns is someone that they definitely would not hesitate to go after hard because, you know, there's a lot of resentment over the fact that he's sort of gone back and forth between the Democratic and and Republican parties. But, you know, maybe maybe they find a business person who's well-known, recognizable. When Poland Cars was running, I kept hearing about a tall, this mysterious tall businessman that they were trying to, I never found out who that was, that they were trying to recruit. Not sure what the, what the, uh, the height has anything to do with it, but, um, you know, someone that would be uh, sort of a very well-known, instantly recognizable candidate. You know, you never say never. Could happen. Well, Charlie, we went way over. Uh, We'll have to do a whole show one day, just back and forth. This was great. Charlie Speck from the Buffalo News. Charlie, thank you so much. Thank you. And that's Hardline for this Sunday, January 14th, 2024. My thanks to State Senator Pat Gallivan, Erie County Legislator Frank Todaro, and Charlie Speck from the Buffalo News. If you missed any of those interviews, make sure you find them on WBEN.com and on the Odyssey app. We'll be back here tomorrow morning starting at 5 a.m. with a new morning. Beamaz and Beamer, just Beamaz tomorrow, 9 to 10. David Bellavia, 10 to 2. And I'll be joining you at 2 p.m. live from One Bills Drive. I'll talk to you then here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.